Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal, Part 24 of N, Ethernet and ARP. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials written by Bart Bouchatz over at bartb.ie slash ttt. This originally aired as part of NoSilicast episode 498, hosted at podfeed.com. I'm Allison Sheridan, host of the NoSilicast podcast, and the other voice you're about to hear is Bart Bouchatz of bartb.ie. We are taking up from where we left off. So last time we had our big picture how the internet hangs together discussion. So we talked about there being four, you know, we use the TCP IP model, which we think of as being broken into four layers, and each layer communicates with the layer directly adjacent to it. So you have the link layer at the very bottom, one packet of data from one computer on a network to another computer on the same network, the internet layer from one computer on any network to another computer on any other network, the transport layer to send meaningful streams of data rather than just single packets. And then the application layer is where all of the apps live. So the web browsers use HTTP, which is in the application layer. Your email client uses IMAP and POP and SMTP there in the application layer. Logically, data travels straight across. So a, a web browser talks a web server. They both talk HTTP, but physically that data has got all the way down the stack to the very bottom, then it's moved across one machine, come up a bit, moved across, gone down, moved across, gone up, all the way over, and it ripples all the way back up to the other end. So physically it goes down, across, and up. Logically, it just goes straight across. And that's where we left it. And then right. I said we were, we were going to look at the layers one by one. And the layer we're going to spend the least time looking at is the very, 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 very bottom one. Because, to be honest, it's the furthest away from us in our day-to-day life. But we shouldn't ignore it completely because it is under our feet. <laughs> now, we are going to, I'm going to make you type a command and I'm going to not tell you anything about it. And the reason is this command takes 10 or 15 minutes to do its magic. Okay. So we're going to let it run in the background and we're going to talk about other stuff. And then we're going to come back to it. Okay. So I'd like you to open up a terminal and type sudo space tcp dump space minus nneq space arp. All right, so just on faith, you're not sending just on the, faith. You're not sending the contents some... of my computer to the internet. No, no, it's, it's going to list a certain type of traffic that's happening on your network to you. It's not sending anything to anyone but you. Okay. But it takes time for this to build into a meaningful <coughs> set of output. So you may see nothing for a few minutes. Okay. So we'll it's just leave glopping, it there and we'll come back okay. to it. Sounds good. So we want to talk about how Ethernet works. So of our four layers, Ethernet is in the bottom, the link layer at the bottom of the pile. And within our homes, it's Ethernet that does the layer one thing. And we have two flavors of it. We have Ethernet over copper cables, which we tend to just call Ethernet. And we have Ethernet over radio waves, which we tend to call Wi-Fi. But from the computer's point of view, they're all Ethernet. So the Ethernet protocol sends one packet of data from one media access control address, or MAC address, to another media access control address, or MAC address. Uh, Ethernet is designed to work on a shared medium. So like the Ether, it's everywhere. That's why it got its name. So it's designed that everyone who's sharing an Ethernet network can see what's going on. And so the way it works is that a packet gets put out on the network, be it by wiggling electrical signals on a cable or by modulating a radio frequency in the air. Every packet is put out onto the media, and the network cards all listen. And if the packet has their MAC address as the target, they pick it up and they hand it up to the operating system. And if it doesn't, they ignore it. 
Uh, that is to say, unless you tell the network card, I want to see everything. So that's called putting your network card into promiscuous mode, which is actually what you've just done, done there by typing TCP dump. Oh, good. Uh, uh, yeah, well, we want to see what's going on in your network. So we're sniffing you your network. Which made me promiscuous. You're a bad <coughs> does, influence. My mother wouldn't like that. I was, yeah, it, it does have a slight connotation, all right. <laughs> the, the other thing is there's a special MAC address. F F F F F F F F F F F F. Huh. Which is six times two Fs with colons in between. And that is the broadcast MAC address. And every network card assumes that a packet sent to all Fs is meant for it. So in other words, it's a way of oh. talking to every network card at once. It's the master key it's the master key at the uh at the hotel. Yeah, or it's shouting very loudly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everyone hears it. If you if you send it to that MAC address, everyone on your network hears it. Okay. Remember, Ethernet exists on your network. It does. It doesn't bleed out. So when you send it, it only stays in your network. It's not like you're telling the whole world. Okay. Don't be scared. So you have a bunch. Well, at least one, because you're talking to me on Skype, so you're on the internet. You have at least one network card in your computer. You possibly have more. Right. And they all have a separate MAC address. And if you would like to see what those MAC addresses are, we have a terminal command. So I can open so, a different terminal? Yes, please. Okay. So the techie term for a network card is a network interface card. So the command for seeing what network interface cards you have is ifconfig. Oh, people call, they call them NICs, right? Yeah, network interface card is NIC, exactly. And NIC is a nice short way of saying it too. In fact, in work we talk about NICs. So ifconfig, if you're wondering how on earth that makes sense, that's how it makes sense. Interface configuration. Uh, the show notes say minus A. The minus A is there for our Linux friends. Um, the minus A means show all. And on Linux, if you don't put in the minus A, it will only show you the network cards that are in use, that are active. Oh. Whereas OS X will just always show you everything. The command is so really we, similar to this on, on Windows, right? What is it? Ipconfig? Ip yeah, yeah Ooh, look IP at me. Config. Look at me go, huh? Look at me knowing... Windows, huh? Yeah. And the Windows is, it, I mean, the output is different. It doesn't look the same, but its function in life is the same. It's to show you what network cards you have, what IP addresses they have, what MAC addresses they have. So if you run ifconfig, you are going to see, now, Allison, you use VPNs and you use virtualization, so you are probably going to see more gunk than your average person. <laughs> but even your average person is going to see some glop. And the annoying thing is that this glop is confusing. It is always going to be confusing, and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> okay. So with that accepted, we can nonetheless get something useful out of this. So you'll notice the output is broken into sections. So you have a name, colon, and then some lines that are tabbed in, and then the next name, colon, and the next, and the next. And so they're broken into sections. And each section is a different network interface. And those interfaces are both physical, so your actual Ethernet jack and your actual Wi-Fi card, but there's also virtual network devices created by the operating system for its own unique and special reasons. Huh. And they're all mushed in together. So really, actually, what we're going to learn here is what we can ignore. <laughs> so the first thing is, at the top of the list on OS X, it's not necessarily the top of the list on Linux, but on OS X it's always top, is LO0. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that one before. Well, that is the loopback address, which is a virtual network interface that allows a computer to talk to itself. Hmm. In other words, it is a local host. It has the IP oh. address 127.0.0.1. 
Okay. Which gives us two nerdy t-shirts. <laughs> um, gives us uh, home suite 127.0.0. Or so 127.0.0.1 suite 127.0.0.1. And there's no place like 127.0.0.1. I own these t-shirts. <laughs> I wear them to work with pride. Of course you do. Um... Now, Linux users actually get a better deal here because Linux, on the whole, doesn't make as much glop as OS X does. The Mac just fills this up with glop. So the next one you probably see is GIF0. Yes. This is a virtual interface that OS X creates called the Software Network Interface, and I have no idea what it does. <laughs> okay, so skip no that. Interest to it. Ignore GIF0. STF0 is another one we can ignore. Its purpose is to allow OS X to move packets between IPv6 and IPv4. None of us oh. are using IPv6, so we don't really care about this either. Okay. Yeah. The next, then we get into the useful ones. So EN0, EN1, and there may be other ENs. EN stands for Ethernet Network, and your physical Ethernet card will be one of these ENs, and your Wi-Fi card will be another one of these ENs. Is there a way to tell which one's which? Not easily, and that's the annoying part. Hmm. But they are Ethernet Networks. It's like 12 if, lines there full of glop, and none of them tell me that. Okay. I know. We're, I'm afraid to say we're about to leave the terminal in a moment to answer that question. <sighs> but we should nonetheless know that the right answer is in here. Now, one way to know it is if only one of them is turned on, only one of them will have media, uh, so status active. So mm. my EN0 says status inactive, which tells me it's the Ethernet jack, because there's no cable in my Ethernet jack right now. Whereas my EN1 says status active, and I'm using Wi-Fi, so that's ah. obviously my Wi-Fi card. So mine is the exact opposite. EN0 says active, and I do have Ethernet plugged in. There you go. Okay. And the Mac is generally, as every Mac I have ever owned has been consistent in that, that EN0 is the Ethernet jack, and EN1 is the Wi-Fi. Unless you have a Mac Pro, because it has, <coughs> I believe it's four Ethernet jacks. Yikes. So they're EN0 to 3. Okay. Something else our Linux friends are not going to see is FW0 or one or two or three, they're FireWire adapters because you can use FireWire as a network cable. My computer so doesn't fire... have FireWire, so it does not have that. Ah, you know, okay. I I have an older Mac. Mine still has FW0. But I think, uh, is one of these going to be Bluetooth? Because uh, I believe you can do Ethernet over Bluetooth. And Thunderbolt, by the way. And then possibly, I, I have never seen the Bluetooth devices show up at this level. I certainly don't see Bluetooth one on my computer. Pan is what it's called? At least it shows up in the network control panel. It does show up in the network control panel, but I've never seen it on the IF config output. Okay. The other thing then is because I use VPNs, I see stuff like P2P0. Hmm. And that is used by VPNs to do their magic. It's a virtual network interface. And I also see Bridge0, which is either from a VPN or because I use virtualization software. Both virtualization software and VPNs create all of these virtual network interfaces to confuse the bejesus out of you. They're I do see Bridge Zero, but I don't see the other one that you said was associated with VPNs. Well, they can be. It depends on Wait, exactly... Wait, did you say P2P? P2P Zero, yeah. Okay, I lied. I do have it. Okay, because okay. you use OpenVPN and so do I, so I would expect mm, no. you have a P2P Zero. No, I don't use OpenVPN anymore. I use Cloak. Which is an OpenVPN provider. The Cloak product uses OpenVPN as its protocol. Oh, okay. Which is good. Did not know that. Is good. Okay. It's OpenVPN without the pain of having to manage OpenVPN. It's great. You've outsourced that pain to someone else. <laughs> I certainly have. So those are the interfaces. If you're on Linux, you probably see one called ETH0 and ETH1. 
Those are the equivalent of EN on the Mac. So EN is Ethernet Network. ETH is short for Ethernet. I thought I'd seen so that before. They Good. And if you're really lucky, so <coughs> Dell, of all people, did something clever. Dell went, wouldn't it be great if the names you see in ifconfig matched the labels on the back of your computer? Such a simple idea. <laughs> and for some reason, only Dell and Red Hat Linux have managed to get that together. So if you're lucky enough to have a Dell server and you're running Red Hat Linux, be it RHEL, CentOS, or Fedora, your network interface cards will be EM1, not 0, 1, EM2, and EM1 will be the one with the 1 written on it on the outside of your computer, and EM2 will be the one with the 2 written on it on the outside of your computer. <laughs> Which is great, but I wish other people would do that too. Yeah. So ultimately, if you really want to figure out what which is which, the chances are you only need to know EN0 and EN1, and their EN0 is probably your Ethernet and EN1 is probably your Wi-Fi, but really, if you absolutely want to know, the only way to really know for sure on a Mac is to go away from the terminal, system preferences, network, choose the one you care about on the left-hand side, and click advanced. Then move to the hardware tab and read the MAC address. So, um, I am looking at your instructions to do that. I am looking at the hardware tab, and I have Ethernet over Thunderbolt, because my Mac doesn't have an Ethernet jack. And okay. the MAC address starts with 68B5, and that okay. is not the MAC address shown under EN0, which is the one that says it's active. They are not the same. Okay, but you're not using your Thunderbolt for Ethernet, are you? Yes, I am. That's how I do really? Ethernet. I can only do Ethernet over Thunderbolt. But you're plugging the... Th but you're not using Thunderbolt to Thunderbolt networking. You're, you have an Ethernet network card that's plugged into a Thunderbolt port. I have an Ethernet cable that plugs into an adapter that goes into Thunderbolt, and it is okay. shown as active. So it says that Thunderbolt adapter, Ethernet active. That adapter is an Ethernet card. So you're not actually using Thunderbolt for networking. You can take a Thunderbolt cable and connect two computers together and create a network. But you're not doing that. You I have a little network card. That little adapter is a network card. Okay, so this is actually something cool. Dave Hamilton keeps trying to drill this home, is that... Uh, think of Thunderbolt as being like a PCI slot that you mm. can put cards into it. Yes. And that's exactly what's happening here then is that that, that little, little dongle that's hanging off of my Thunderbolt mm -hmm. port is an Ethernet card which has its own um, yes. IP address. Well, so uh, I'm sorry, MAC address. Yes, so, that's exactly what's happening. It is the world's tiniest, tiniest network adapter card. So why does... Because, remember, Thunderbolt is effectively on the motherboard, so your computer is seeing that as if it was internal. Okay, but shouldn't the, the uh, MAC address that I see in Thunderbolt Ethernet in the control panel, shouldn't that show up somewhere as active on that, uh, that terminal command from ifconfig? Probably, but I can't see your screen, so I'm not exactly sure what's going on, so I'm going to be careful with what I say because I may be wrong. Okay, this might be too specific to Allison, but it is kind of interesting to me that I would think it would still show up there. It should be there somewhere. Now, there's a command in the show notes to just filter out the MAC addresses and nothing else. Oh. So if you run that command, you'll just get a list of all the MAC addresses ifconfig can see. So it's ifconfig minus a pipe egrep and then some nice regular expressions that we learned about many times. All right. So if you pop that in, you'll see just the list of your MAC addresses. And okay. one of those must be the one of your Thunderbolt Ethernet card. Yeah, there it is. It's the last one. Okay. So that's what's in use. Oh, there we go. EN3. It wasn't in alphabetical that order. Sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Okay. So now, um, not to stay too Allison specific, but that means that the Mac 
does have an Ethernet card in it, even though it does not have an Ethernet port. It does seem to suggest that somewhere in there, something... Now, depending on the order you do things in, OpenVPN also creates virtual network interfaces it calls EN something or other. So I actually have only two physical ports, but I have an EN3 and an EN4, which I'm pretty sure OpenVPN just magicked into existence. Hmm. I can't check because I have I don't want to uninstall OpenVPN because <laughs> then I can't VPN anymore. Right. But I'm pretty sure the day I got this computer, it only had EN0 and EN1, and now it has 3 and 4. Hmm. And they're obviously pretend devices. So you may have had some pretend devices created before you plugged in that Ethernet jack, which then got the next available number, which was 3. But EN1 and... I'm sorry, EN0 and EN3 are both showing as active. Which is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Okay. We can keep going. I wonder what magic is going on in there. Yes, anyway. So... That's There are network interface cards, and they all have those MAC addresses. So those MAC addresses are how we talk to our local network. And something I want to clear up, because I think it's very important we have this straight in our heads, is the different meaning of three words that we all use. And we, I'm afraid we have a terrible habit of mushing them together as if they're the same thing, but they're not. Hub, switch, router. Totally the same thing. <laughs> yeah, totally not. <laughs> Actually, I might be able to define the three, but I'm not going to. I'm going to let you do it. Okay. Because that part's confusing. So let's build it up from the ground up, and then we'll start to see how these three begin to branch off. So Ethernet uses a shared medium, which means that everyone hears what everyone else is doing on Ethernet, because they're all talking into the ether. Within a subnet. Within a network. We'll not use the word subnet, because it has a meaning we'll discover in two weeks' time. Oh, okay. Within a network. Okay. They're all hearing each other. And this means they're actually very susceptible to congestion, because... Two car- if two cards try to talk together, they will destroy each other's packets. It's down to physical. Like if you take a radio wave and another radio wave, you'll have interference, and the answer is garbage. And if you take an electrical signal and another electrical signal, they will interfere, the answer is garbage. Basic physics. And so this happens all the time, and it's called a network collision. And it's not the end of the world, because Ethernet deals with this in a wonderfully elegant way. Both parties that collided wait a random number of milliseconds and then go again. <laughs> And it works perfectly, because if they waited a specific amount of time, they just smash into each other again. But because you introduced this randomness, it works. And unless your network is overcrowded, it works really well. The problem is, once you get too many people trying to talk at the same time, there's lots of activity, and no one is managing to speak, because everyone's colliding with everyone else, and that's called congestion. Picturing a bunch of people trying to turn the corner straight towards each other in a hallway. Or a Skype conversation with a bit of lag and everyone's trying to find the right moment to speak. (laughs) Right. And you end up stomping all over each other. Same sort of idea. So in Wi-Fi, we cannot solve this, which is why it's really important to choose a channel that's not full of other people's traffic. So that's why we would say that you use something like, uh, what's that lovely one with the pen knife icon that I love so much? Oh, iStumbler? iStumbler. That's why you do something like isometer to see where where is the most traffic, which frequency, and then pop your your wireless router onto the freest frequency. It's to avoid this kind of collisions all the time. Now, in the olden days with a wired Ethernet, you have to connect them all together somehow, and so you have to plug them into something that's going to connect all of those copper cables together. And so in the early days, the something you used was an Ethernet hub, and it's a spectacularly simplistic device. It just makes an electrical connection between all the cables so that the electricity flowing down one is picked up on all of them. 
And that is a, that effectively means that a hub-based Ethernet network is exactly like Wi-Fi. Everyone hears everything. So it has all the same problems of congestion. Okay. But we then realized that we could, for copper, we can make it more efficient because you don't actually have to hear everything. So what happens if you put a brain into this little box into which all of our wires go? And so that was the next evolution. So we put a brain in, we renamed it from a hub to a switch. And what the brain does is it just keeps a little list of what MAC address lives out of which hole or which leg or port is the, is the jargon people use. So if it's an eight-port switch, it has eight holes. And there will be one or more MAC addresses at the other end of each hole, and it just keeps a little table. And when, the, when a packet comes in on any one port, it says, oh, who is this for? And then it only sends it out the port that it has to go out on. And the reason I don't say one MAC address to one port is if you connect two switches together, if you have an eight-port switch with seven devices and one free hole, and you plug that into another switch... The second switch sees seven MAC addresses at the end of one of its holes. Hmm. Okay. Perfectly happy. It just makes a table and just keeps a list of which MAC addresses go out which port. And that really cuts down on congestion because the only network traffic you see is network traffic that you care about. So this is a, a great spot for me to to point out something Donald Burr pointed out. You remember my description of Steve's great MacGyver move of of uh, tie something to it first, where he pulled the wires up through the mm-hmm. attic and back down. And the trick was to get two of them down now because we had the two Drobos there. And Donald right. um, just really irritated me by pointing out, well, why didn't you just put an Ethernet switch on the other side of the wall where the Drobos are? And I felt that I was quite brilliant in pointing out that that was a bad thing because the only thing the old Drobo's job is to do is to talk to the new Drobo. So if it was gigabit, my whole purpose was to get gigabit, right? Because I had 100 base Mm -hmm. T there before. If I'm trying to get gigabit, I'm only going to get half a gigabit if the two are always talking to each other. No, because it means that the traffic will never leave the little mini switch. Right, but if the mini switch can only do gigabit and it's going out of one and into the other, isn't that only going to be at half speed because the two are talking to each other? Because it's got to split it in half, right? Actually, no, because it's going to be gigabit Ethernet full duplex. So they'll be able to. It is full duplex, duplex? gigabit Ethernet. Yes, it should be full duplex. You can actually see that in your output of TCP dump, whether it's duplex or not. Huh. Well, the punchline to the whole story, it sounds like I was wrong, but let's say I was right, is uh, after telling him, well, well, actually, you know, uh, that would cut the traffic in half and that would defeat my whole purpose. I then confessed to him that on the router side of the wall in my bedroom, those wires are coming into an Ethernet switch on this side. So you may as well have put the switch to the other side and save yourself some gold, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like completely defeating the purpose. But shut up. But actually, shut up, Donald. If you, if you had the little switch there in front of them, it would actually be very helpful because it would mean that the traffic would never even have to go out of the room. Because the little switch would very cleverly uh, say... No, oh, no, no, no. I know, where, I know why it does. Because the old Drobo does not know how to get the information from the new Drobo unless it talks to the Mac Mini downstairs on Wi-Fi in the, in the uh, living room, family room. Oh, okay. So, okay. so the traffic, so the traffic has back. to go all the way out and back in. Okay, so the Mac Mini is actually talking to one and the Mac Mini is talking to the other. Right, it's saying, take this, put it over there, take this, put it over there. So am I, am I right that that would be at half speed? And forget the part You're, that it's on Wi-Fi on the other end. Well... What you're doing is you're moving your bottleneck around because actually the bottleneck is always the Mac Mini. It yeah, but remember that the, the traffic... Well, but the data doesn't go to the Mac Mini. The Mac you Mini sh- is simply saying there's something new here. 
it doesn't match, go get it from here and put it over there with Carbon oh, Copy have- Cloner. Well, no, where's Carbon Copy Cloner running? On the Mac Mini. Then all the data is going to the Mac Mini. All the data that's being sent is going through the Mac Mini. Why does it have to? Can it say, I, I looked at the size of this file and the location of this file, and it does not exist over here, therefore move it from here to here and never touch it? Yeah, oh, so whatever, whatever doesn't need to move will not go anywhere, because that's the whole point of... Of, of OrSync, which is what Carbon Copy Cloner uses. But anything that has to move, I'm afraid, goes down to the Mac Mini and then back. Because the Mac Mini is doing the copying. So the Mac Mini takes it from here and pushes it to there. I really want you to be wrong. <laughs> so I'm going to. It's fine, though. I'm going to go to great effort. Full duplex. It's fine. No, but that means it's. Then that means there was no purpose in putting uh, the gigabit of Ethernet. Well, I'm sorry. There still there is, is. A, a big purpose. When we talk to the new Drobo, we're talking to it with with uh, gigabit Ethernet. But in the middle of the night at two in the morning, when it wakes up, when Carbon Copy Cloner wakes up the Mac Mini and does this data transfer, we don't care how slow it is. <coughs> gigabit Ethernet's just better. It's fine. No, not if the bottleneck's Wi-Fi. It didn't make any difference at all. Where I want you to be wrong. Okay, I, I'm going to have to see a diagram at some stage because now Wi-Fi is coming to the mix. Now I'm all confused. Oh anyway. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. The Mac Mini's on Wi-Fi and and miles away. Oh. Oh, but but remember when we're talking to the Drobo, the new Drobo, there was a purpose in giving it gigabit Ethernet, right? Because the new Drobo is what we talk to live, and it's really fast now. Good. <laughs> okay. Okay. So where were we? Well, but but this 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 helped talk about what a switch is doing, right? True. That was True. Uh, how I tried yes. to justify it. Yes. So what the switch is doing is it's only sending the electrical signal down the cable it has to go down. And that is that makes it all way more efficient. So you can get a lot more data on a network with a switch than you can with a hub. And again, this is one of those things where I get to say, 10 years ago, this was important because you would have to be bloody careful when you bought a device that you weren't accidentally buying a hub. Because you never oh. wanted to do that on purpose. Okay. Well, you could very easily do that by accident because they're horribly inefficient devices. I haven't seen one in so long that I'm not sure I could find one if I wanted to. <laughs> and that's good. Okay. Okay. Now... The real problem comes in, okay, so hub is the old-fashioned way of doing wired Ethernet. Switch is the shiny, clever new way of doing it. So what's a router? Well, a router is actually two switches connected together. Is one way to think of it. So a router has to be on two networks, and its job is to take a packet from one network and plop it into another network. And that's what a router does. Where things really go off the rails is because we have decided to call a device that does 20 billion things a home router, and that has completely broken everyone's understanding of the word router. Hmm. So the way you need to think of your home router is that it's not one thing, it's three things. It's a router, an Ethernet switch, and a wireless access point. <laughs> Maybe and it's a wireless, wireless access, access point. point is Maybe exactly it is. Like a, hmm? Sorry? It doesn't have to be a wireless access point. All of ours are, though. Oh, yeah, okay, let's... For today, let's look at the typical example, because you're right. Each of these three parts can be turned on and off individually. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've got a, I've got a router from um, Verizon that I'm not letting it do wireless. Right. And Heck, sometimes I'm you... not letting it do its, its job at all. Well, my, my airport extreme is not routing. It's only being an Ethernet switch and a wireless access point, because I've turned off one of its three bits. Okay, but we'll go back to typical, which is all three. We'll go back to typical. Even if we turn off a bit, the bit's still in there. So it is still correct to think about our home router as being three devices packaged into one neat little box. 
And we really have to get that into our minds because otherwise we're going to completely lose track of ourselves as we go through this series. So I have drawn a picture because a picture is worth a thousand words. So the important thing on the picture is the bit highlighted in, in the sort of the blue fuzzy bit, which is all of this is your home network, which means that all of those devices, the computer, the other computer, the phone, and the laptop, are all talking to each other over Ethernet. There is no router in the way. They talk to each other without going through a router. Even though they go through a device you call a home router, there is no routing. Okay. Right? So the, the phone gets to the iMac by going to the wireless access point, the Ethernet switch, and to the iMac. No routing. It's all a single Ethernet transmission. They are all seeing each other on one Ethernet network. The only time you stop being on the one Ethernet network is if you try to go to the internet. And then you meet the router bit of your router, which takes the packet from your home network and puts it onto your ISP's network, and off it goes to the internet. Okay. So I, I hope, so the key, key point is that even though it goes through a router, there is no routing going on between something on your wireless and something on your wired. It's all the one Ethernet network. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. And I'm going to keep referring back to that picture over the next couple of episodes. That is spectacularly important. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk to you about today, and I'm going to, it's going to explain to you why I keep saying to be suspicious of hotel Ethernet. Okay. Right. So Ethernet sends one packet from one MAC address to another. And within our house, we use IP addresses when we're doing anything, whether we're doing file sharing, we're doing, it's all over IP addresses. So the IP protocol uses Ethernet to move packets around on its behalf, but the IP protocol has to be able to tell Ethernet what it should do. In other words, what MAC address to what MAC address. So how does the IP protocol know what MAC address matches what IP address? Because it has to. Right. This is where the address resolution protocol comes in, or ARP. Oh, I've heard ARP. Never knew what it was. Okay. ARP's job is to figure out what IP address matches what MAC address. Okay. It does, does so, that runs internally on our network? Yes, and that, without it, our networks would fall over in a heap. No okay. one would be able to talk to anyone. It is a spectacularly simplistic protocol. The person who wants to figure out what MAC address has a given IP address sends out a broadcast Ethernet packet to FFFFFFF, all those Fs. Hmm. And the, the packet actually says, who has the IP address tell themselves? So, which MAC address has IP address 149 or 192.168.1.1? Tell me. Is okay. that is literally what the packet looks like. Okay. It goes out to every single machine on your network because it's gone to FFFFFF. And the network card that has that IP address answers back and says, I don't get the exact wording. It's me. It, yes. <laughs> so it sends back a, a reply that says, IP address blah is at MAC address blah. Okay. And that's it. That's how it works. So everyone shouts out to the broadcast address, hello, who's blah IP address? And someone answers back and goes, it's me. And that's how it all hangs together. And that terminal command I asked you to run. That's been blathering away for 45 minutes. It has been blathering away. And what you should see is a whole bunch of ARP requests and ARP replies. And you should see that all the requests are from your MAC address to FFFFFFF. And they should say, request who has some IP address, tell someone. Do you see our Let's request? See. Yes, yes, I see it. I, I'm trying to interpret. So the first number is a time, apparently, 11, yes. 11, 08. Then it's got right. 
two different Ethernet addresses. No. Yes. Or I, I'm sorry, MAC address. No, many more. Okay. So three the, MAC addresses. Source MAC address. Now you're on Wi-Fi, aren't you? I'm I'm on Ethernet. You're on Ethernet. Okay. Now Wi-Fi is also active, but I've seen four MAC addresses go by so far, and then they're you talking to FFFFF. Okay. And so, then they're saying request who has 10.0.1.10 tell 10.0.1.74. Okay. And the more devices on your network, the more chatter you will have seen. Yeah. So we kind of have 17, I think, devices so far. Yeah, you, you, they're probably not all on, so you're probably not seeing quite that uh, much traffic. Well, but you'd be surprised. Those TiVos are talking, the Apple TVs are off getting stuff, you know? Yeah. So there is going to be some chatter. So this is just different devices on your network asking, and you are seeing every single ARP request because requests are broadcast. So they aren't just requests from my computer? No, because broadcasts go to everyone, so the source MAC address is going to be all the different devices that have been looking for IP to MAC mappings in the last however long we've been recording. Okay. So you should see a whole bunch of different MAC addresses sending stuff to FFFFFFF saying, hello, who has blah, tell so-and-so. Yeah, You should at least have a few, nowhere near as many, because you're using Ethernet, you should have a few replies. Oh, what does a reply look like? It should say, <coughs> so the, the fro- it won't have all the Fs in it. Mm. If oh, you don't have a reply... One. Yeah, okay. there's some replies. Okay, and so the reply is just saying, bloody bloody blah IP address is at bloody blah MAC address. So yeah. it's mapping an IP address to a MAC address. Okay. So why are you seeing an asymmetry between requests and responses? Because a whole bunch of them don't matter to me? Correct. Like if the because Apple TV is talking switches. to the TiVo, I don't care. Exactly. So the, you are using an Ethernet switch, and that switch has only... Sh- it has to show you every request, because requests are broadcast, but it only shows you replies that were actually directed at you. So all of those other requests didn't go unanswered. You just never saw the answers because they weren't for you. Oh, cool. So they've been filtered out by the switch being intelligent. Hmm. Now, thankfully, your computer doesn't have to do this every single time it wants to send one packet. Right? It caches the answer. And so your computer contains a cache of, ARP, of IP address to MAC address mappings. And the terminal can show you that. Hmm. So the command is ARP space minus AN. Wait, okay, get my other one. ARP space... Minus AN. Okay. And what Hit enter, I? and you should see <coughs> inside brackets an IP address at a MAC address on... Oh, which oh look at all that. So I got a whole bunch of IP addresses in nice little numerical order followed by MAC addresses that go with them. And it'll also tell you which physical Ethernet or which physical connection is used to access them. So they probably all say Ethernet. M3. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, so I've got this weirdness, right, that I've got these two Ethernet cards going on because I've got EN0, EN3, EN0, EN3, EN0. Actually, okay, so yeah, every other one. Yeah. Oh. How? Interesting. I bet, I bet the Thunderbolt Ethernet adapter that is a, we have established as an Ethernet card is talking to an internal Ethernet card. I'm, I wonder, you say you have Wi-Fi on, but you're not using it. Right. I have a feeling that it is actually being used. You know the way that these new yeah. wireless cards can talk without having a network set up? If I this turn it off. The handoff works. If I turn it off, it then might it be should... dangerous while we're on the call, but I might do I it anyway. Do that. No, I wouldn't do that while we're talking. Oh, come on. <laughs> so the last thing I want seeker. to say today 
is I want to point out something which you may or may not have noticed. This protocol is superbly simplistic, but it makes an assumption. It assumes honesty. <laughs> right? Okay. You just ask the network which MAC address goes to this IP, and you assume that the only person to answer is telling you the truth. Oh, we're going to get the hotel Wi-Fi right here, aren't we? Yes, we are. We have arrived. <laughs> How, why it is that every wireless and Wi-Fi network is dangerous, if it's not one that you trust, if not full of your friends and family, is because anyone can lie to ARP. And once you lie to ARP, you can redirect all the traffic through you. So you basically set out the lie that you are, your MAC address is the router. All the packets come to you, you read them, you edit them, you do whatever you like, and then you send them on their way to the real MAC address, which you've kept a copy of. So people don't notice their network is gone, because you're still sending the packets to their final destination in the end, but you've had a chance to read and edit them on the way. And you could become anyone on the network. Steal, read their packets, and then pass them on to the real MAC address. And that's called ARP spoofing, or ARP poison routing, APR. And it is so easy to do. You download an app, you hit go, and you're seeing everyone's network traffic. And it's all because ARP is completely trusting. It just, oh yeah, that must be true. So and then it caches is, it. This is what we were talking about in the in the internet cafe, or in the uh, the free Wi-Fi at the cafe, Correct. that that you can have this man in the middle basically pretend to be uh, the router. Yeah. Yeah, and yet we did say that if you were using something like Cloak, you were safe from that. Why are you... I, I keep getting lost on why we're still safe. Okay, the reason you're safe is because all they see is encrypted garbage. But They're they don't seeing s- all of your traffic, but it's inside... The VPN has encrypted it. Even so before it, I've connected to the real... Ra- okay, so... Right, so the encryption happens on your computer. Right. The only thing that leaves your computer is encrypted garbage, which travels through the Wi-Fi, through the internet, as far as your VPN server. Your VPN server decrypts it and then puts it on the internet. And this happens even if I've gotten connected to the wrong router? Yes. Assuming assuming you didn't wrongly accept the certificate from the VPN server on the far side. So if if your VPN software pops up and says... There's a problem. The VPN server on the far side hasn't got the correct certificate, which hopefully has never happened to you. No. If you don't get a warning from Cloak saying the certificates don't match, you know that you really are talking to Cloak's servers, and then you can be confident that your VPN is working and he's encrypting your traffic. Okay. And so, yes, someone messing with ARP can see everything you're doing, but it's all encrypted. So all they see is ah, the encrypted garbage. That I did not know. I like Cloak so it has more every day. <laughs> So it hasn't stopped them being a man in the middle. It's just taken all the usefulness out of the process. Okay, okay, okay. That makes more sense to me. Because they kept thinking, but they're still there. Yeah, they're still there. They're still hearing everything, but all they're hearing is encrypted garbage. And HTTPS is exactly the same. And that's why when you go to a website and you get a warning saying the certificate doesn't match, run away because it means that the endpoint possibly isn't who you think it is. I've if you're had a man so many in the people tell me, no, 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 don't worry about that. Oh, do. Always do. Always do. Yeah. It seems prudent. That's why it's there, right? Correct. So if you don't get a certificate warning and you're using HTTPS, the man in the middle sees encrypted garbage. If you're using a VPN and you don't get a certificate warning, the man in the middle sees complete garbage. He's still in the middle. Or she. But it's all garbage. And the reason for this is because the people designing the internet 
I, I put it down to naive innocence, and I think it's almost cute, except for the fact that it's ruining all of our lives. It's cute. Yeah. They just never, they just never thought they that didn't there could consider be malicious evil. Acts. Yeah, they didn't consider evil. They just didn't, which is why. And ARP is the first example of that, but by no means the only example. We're going to come across this concept a few more times before we're done with this series. Huh. So there you go. This has been really, really cool. I I like this because it got super nerdy, geeky, crazy weird commands looking at cryptic numbers combined with this pulling it all together back to what some of our original questions were about uh, unprotected Wi-Fi and that sort of thing. Yep. And the thing is, this is, this is, this is, the last we're going to look at layer zero, or layer one, sorry, in our discussion. But I thought we should build that foundation because from here on in, we're moving on to the IP layer and all the cool stuff above it. And then I'm going to give you a warning. The next one, you're going to need to have that propeller being spun up because the next one is going to be entirely about one word, subnet. Oh, which I gave a little teaser to accidentally. It is one of the single most misunderstood words, and understanding it is the only way to be able to actually troubleshoot your home network without pulling your hair out. Huh. Okay. So we are going to, we are going to figure out what a subnet is and why we care. All right. That sounds like fun. Hmm. And so? actually, when you come back, do you realize it will be show number 500? Ooh, I get to be on 500. Bring your Yay. party hats. Woo! So a party propeller beanie? <laughs> exactly. Could somebody draw one for us? I think we need a graphic for that. We do, don't we? <laughs> Definitely, with with Bart's head under it. <laughs> well, you don't have to use my head. You can use a pretty head. <laughs> okay, then mine. All right, Bart. Well, we will see you in two weeks then. Excellent. Until then, happy computing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at bartb.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeet.com or podcasting at bartafisser.net.